if you've got ADHD, you probably have experienced more failure than your average person. And it can cause one of two things, I think, to happen. The first thing that might happen is you get too scared to try. And the second thing I think that happens is that you've had people tell you you're going to fail, that you are going to fail. You felt failure, but you refuse to be defined by it. You refuse to believe that this is all there is. And I think that we can swing between the two. You know, you just need to know where you're at. Hello and welcome to How Not To Run A Business with me, your host, Jeremy Jacobs, a podcast for business owners, entrepreneurs, and those aspiring to work for themselves. Each week, I bring you real, honest, and down-to-earth conversations about success, failure, and how not to run a business, all in service of you living a life you love and achieving your version of success. So welcome back to Dr. Fiona Peters' episode part two so technically episode 37 if you're diving straight into this episode and you haven't listened to part one it is called episode 35 and you really need to go listen to the first half before you listen to this half because in a moment you're going to jump straight into the middle of a conversation I have cut the question I asked at the end of the last episode and I put it in the beginning and we're talking about what strategies and techniques that Dr. Fiona Peters has used in her life to help manage her ADHD and then we dive into a whole conversation around our experiences and our journey with our diagnosis and dealing with the impact of learning that we had ADHD in later life. I'm not going to say any more than that. It's a really great episode. I'm really excited to share this second part with you. And just as a gentle warning, there is some swearing in this episode. And we are also talking about challenging mental health issues, trauma, past experiences that some people may find challenging, may not want to listen to. Or if you're not in a headspace to listen to it, then I would encourage you not to listen to this episode right now as it could be quite triggering. But for now, it's time to sit back, relax and enjoy. What what have you learned since diagnosis? Because I'd be really love to talk about um, the tools, the things, the strategies that you have worked for you to help you get to this place where you are today. And I get that's a really broad question. So go anywhere you want with that. Yeah. I mean, I was massively emotionally dysregulated. And I also um, I have quite extreme emotions. So um, and. And actually, since diagnosis, I find that my emotions have evened out because I I accept that, that that my response sometimes is going to be extreme. So it just allows me to step back and reflect and allow those emotions just to be there without without falling into them. Do you know what I mean when I say falling into them? Without without allowing them to control me to the point where I feel 
um, ashamed of them, that I feel that I can't get a grasp on them. Um, and where I feel that all the emotions roll in together. So if I feel rejection once, then I'll think about all the times I've been rejected. And then all of a sudden the emotion is catastrophized and everyone's rejecting me and everything I do is not right. And nobody, you know, and, and all of a sudden I've told myself a narrative. And I, I find myself doing that less and less. Um, I'm trying really to be more, um, this is the emotion right now. I feel a bit understimulated intellectually. What do I need to do? I need to get back into work. You know, I need to start thinking and using my brain and start being creative. And I think that's, that's something that I just learned this weekend. That's new. I didn't know that. I haven't taken substantial amounts of time off uh, where I'm just at home and, and not doing very much. So, um, and I didn't have any projects. I wasn't doing the garden. I wasn't necessarily cooking. I mean, I, I sort of tidied and decluttered and organized space. I like doing that. That really helps my brain to be a problem solver. I moved some plants around, but I didn't do anything that really stimulated me intellectually. So I wasn't so that's a new learning. Um, I'm learning to accept that my emotions are valid, that I, I am human and I can have emotions. And I was away recently with, um, I was doing a business mastermind and I was with four, four or five other people that I didn't know very well. I'd met them a couple of times. And on the first day away, we were in Parma. And I felt a little bit uncomfortable and I didn't minimize that. I allowed myself to feel that I'm away with people that I don't know. This is why I feel like this. This is why I don't feel um, comfortable. And I, I talked it through with one of my daughters. I just called her and said, I'm feeling a bit uncomfortable. I'm away. And that's something I wouldn't have done before. I would have minimized it. I would have said, oh, don't be ridiculous. Just just get to know people. Don't be so, you know, I didn't know how to navigate having my own space. I need my own space. I like my privacy. I need quiet time. I like to write. I like to watch the sunset. I like to be outside. Like, so once I, once I talked it through with her and then I started implementing some of the things that I know ground me and make me feel like I'm myself, um, I was better on the second, third, fourth day. By the time the fourth day came, I mean, they were absolutely ripping the piss out of me because I'd been accepted, right? Like, you know, you, you've been accepted when someone's absolutely taking the piss out of you and laughing in your face uh, about the, the funny shit that you're doing. Um, and I could accept that. I could accept that that was, that was part of the journey for me you know, being new to a group, feeling like an outsider, um, which is all, again, not unusual for ADHD as we can often feel like imposters. Um, and then to the point where actually over the few days, just allowing myself to be myself and then by the end feeling that I've been accepted because uh, in that very British way, someone's taken the piss out of you. Um, and then there are things that, you know, I always sort of feel like productivity is an issue with me. Time management's an issue. Prioritizing is an issue. 
um, organizing my workload, my time, um, those sorts of work, work professional challenges, um, I work through constantly. Like, because I run three businesses, like I'm, I'm a, a busy head, you know, I've got a busy head. I, I can't just do one thing. I've got to do more than one thing. And then it becomes difficult to juggle. So finding ways to do that is a daily challenge. Um, and, and the strategies might be different. I won't just stick with one strategy. I'll try different things and keep tweaking. Um, consistency is something I struggle with, you know, following up and making sure that I do things when I say I'm going to do them. But then I've, I'm forgiving of myself because I think, ah, fuck it, I don't feel like it. You know, <laughs> I'm just not, you know. Um, it just, like, I find consistency the biggest... It's like the biggest stick to beat yourself with. And, you know, we can, uh, who can be consistent when you've got a brain that wants to dart all over the place? Um, but I do my best to finish projects, even though it might not be in the time frame that a normal person or neurotypical person might. I do my best to finish things. Um, so I'm sort of finding, I'm finding strategies that, that work for me through experience and through talking to other people and seeing what they do. Um, and then I've got a whole sort of spiritual sort of side to me. So I like to, like I like to walk in nature. Um, I've been chanting recently just to, to sort of open up opportunities. So I've been chanting a bit. Uh, I had a bit of a spiritual reading that was interesting. Uh, so yeah, I do I do weird esoteric stuff spiritually. I'm reading The Power of Positive Thinking by Norman Vincent Peale. It's quite a religious book and um reminds me of being a little Catholic girl and being in church and learning my catechism and you know, I've got these different sides to me that I like to indulge and this is the interest interest-based nervous system and the more that I you know, post-diagnosis, I realise that I give myself permission to indulge in those specifics um, and not worry too much about, oh, I shouldn't be doing that because that's weird, isn't it? You know, I just, I just want to do the things that I love. You know, I just get a little light inside me of finding those... Um, finding the hacks to, to be a better and more effective person, but also indulging the side of me that's interest-based. Mm. It's a, it's, um, it's a, it's a balance, isn't it? It's, uh, and it's an exploration. Um, what you were saying about the consistency and I, and it, and it's a, it's a common problem, particularly for solo entrepreneurs and people who run multiple businesses or doing multiple things. Um, relatedness is like pinging crazily when you were talking because 
I'm doing like five different things. If I go to a networking event, people go, what do you do? I go, I talk at them for like 10 minutes, all these different things that I do, but I love it. I love the fact that yeah. I get to have this conversation. And then after this call, I'm going to go and do something completely different. And then I'm going to go and fix the microphone that keeps on falling off my desk. You know, and, <laughs> and what you said about doing what you love, the previous episode last week I released is, I've got, I've uh, uh, been arrogant enough to call something the Jacobs Matrix uh, because I take <gasps> the Eisenhower Matrix, right? The the do dump delegate del- or whatever it is I can't remember off the top of my yeah. head. Where you put delete, your task, keep, delete, delegate, delete, do something like yeah. So you can put your task into important, not urgent, as in urgent, not urgent, important, not important, and then you can decide. It's a really effective tool. Oh yeah, I've. I don't, I've not seen anyone else who's done this, but I've overlaid a sort of version two, which is take the task that you're good at and you're shit at and the task that you love doing and you hate doing and put those, put that template over the top as well as what mm. the, the original one. And then you can start to see what you love doing and what you're good at and what you're shit at and you hate and outsource the things you're shit at and you hate and do more of the things. And it's not like literally just do that because it's not practical but start looking at your life and what you do and start doing more of the things that you love because the world does not want us to do that um because mm-hmm. the older generation and that I, I i include myself in that sometimes because they've grown up in such a strict shitty environment where they were told mm-hmm. you know do it this way and why people like us who have ADHD struggle so much, because particularly of our age, those 70s, 80s, we've grown up in a world where difference and joy wasn't like the, the forefront of everything we do. No. That now we're pushing up against. I think people like us are in a really actually quite shitty but unique position because we're sitting between two worlds and going, mm. well, they're t- this is what I've been told, so I can't do it this way. And our brains are like, like, um, structured in a way like that and then we've got this new generation coming in talking about their feelings and doing what mm. they want more of what they want and we go oh I want that as well and we're like ah fuck like I'm stuck um yeah and so is, you know yeah yeah I totally get that because um I mean it was young people that enabled me to label my feelings mm. you know it's it's the younger generation that have enabled me to to think about depression anxiety mm. joy you know, fulfillment, purpose, like heart-centered business, like what the hell is that? <laughs> you know, like coming out of, you know, the 80s where I, I washed dishes and like swept floors and worked in cafes and sold double yeah. glazing, like all sorts of random jo- jobs, right? And now I'm looking yeah. for self-actualization. That's young people, mm. you know, um, and you're you're totally right about that sort of doing what you love and delegating what you don't I mean I've got an assistant and uh, Carly she she does all of the admin stuff and does things that I can't do like I can't do things like (laughs) book the right flight you know like I booked a flight I was meant to go I went to Palmer just come back from Palmer with my business mastermind group 20th to 24th of April but I, I booked that flight for the 20th to 24th of May. And then I had to, and it's the wrong date, then I had to rebook yeah, yeah. it. So I'm now going to Palmer again in May because it's too expensive to 
you know, like changing the flight and just booking another yeah, one yeah, was yeah. the same price. So I thought, right, I'll just go again. You know, it's like <laughs> things like that that you're just like, oh, it just yeah. makes me scratch my head. So, um, mm. so there are definitely things that I I delegate and I don't do. And I tell you the thing about having ADHD is that if you have ADHD and you run a business or multiple businesses, uh, the, the Department for Work and Pensions via Access to Work will fund a lot of your business uh, delegation tasks and they'll help you with all sorts of tools and equipment because they want us to be uh, productive citizens, right? So the government actually recognised that you know, we can be successful. And if you're self-employed with ADHD, you can get uh, access to works to support things like an assistant, you know, things like um, software for your computer, for example, if you have dyslexia. So, I mean, you know, the recognition of, of ADHD is the, you know, I mean, I don't like the word disorder. It's, I think it's a condition, but in terms of recognizing it as, as a real disability, uh, is super important because you can make reasonable adjustments, whether you're employed or self-employed. And those reasonable adjustments um, are the things that are going to make a difference to your business. And, you know, things like coaching, things like um, equipment, tools, that sort of support is invaluable because there are so many things that um, that we can do if we're not bogged down doing the things on the quadrant that are like hate don't like can't can't do there are actually some things i actually physically cannot do um and that's okay now i i get that because i can do other things not better things just different things um yeah. so so yeah. yeah i hear what you're saying yeah yeah and that and that's the reality the reality of life is is that we do we do have to do things we don't like and sometimes we have to do things we're not very good at and um and it's yeah. to encourage us to look at that and not be forcing ourselves into doing things we absolutely hate and we're shit at that that will just make us miserable um but yeah. as as solo entrepreneurs you know that is a fact of life and i i'm actually going through the access to work um, process myself at the moment to get that support um you know because if it's available i'm gonna take it yeah um yeah you know but we we are faced with our own unique set of circumstances and challenges and you'll you know you mentioned the word disorder um there's a lot of conversation in the adhd community about the language and the use of the words and and whatnot and that's you know it's again it's down to us as individuals to have a look and really do some soul searching and and self-awareness is the key i think that's the one biggest takeaway mm. i've got from what you shared is and ironically slowing things down as much as possible and being able to mm. take a step back like I can't go through an airport um I never used to be able to get, go through an airport and get on a plane without getting hideously drunk because <laughs> I now realize that for me going through an airport is sensory overload and I get yeah. and also packing yeah. to go on holiday I have oh my God. Um, yeah like <laughs> ADHD is often comorbid with some other condition and I have uh, a sprinkling of OCD so as a kid yeah I used to be the one that would be like if I don't turn this light switch off five times before I leave the room everyone's gonna die that was the intrusive mm. thoughts I had and so I've recognized I've got obsessive compulsive um 
thoughts and ways of thinking. Condition. Less so as no, yeah, condition. <laughs> um, yeah. So for me, packing is can be a challenge if I'm not aware mm-hmm. of what I'm doing because I have to take everything. Everything has to be packed perfectly. If I forget something... I mean, my, my, my fiance is like, you need your passport and any medication, everything else you can buy. I'm like, no, I need like 12 cables <laughs> and all of the medicine cabinet yeah. just in case I get an itch yeah. or something. Yeah. And so the whole process of packing and going on holiday and as someone who likes to travel quite a lot, it's, it's really stressful. And I've only been able to now recognize through self-awareness and compassion for myself and slowing things down. And even in the post of like looking at an experience and going, what was going on there? Okay, I just find that whole process really overwhelming. And then I can start to look and think, well, what can I do differently? How can I be? And so when I packed, because I've just come back, yes, two days ago from Portugal, I had to like stop myself about, kid you not, 20 times packing my bag to go, right, stop, breathe, do some box breathing, right, what's going on? Okay, you're getting anxious because you feel like you need to make sure everything's perfect and you pack and then you've got to do the la I don't mind flying, I love flying, I've got no issue with traveling, but like this whole process, and and I really relate to what you shared about self-awareness, compassion, understanding, mm. what can I do differently? Because I see a lot of people, and this is no judgment or criticism, I see a lot of people online talking about, well, I've got ADHD, so that's it. Like, badum, like deal with mm. me how I am. But actually, mm. it is possible for us to change. And it does mm. take time. And it's going to be more challenging. I used to I tell this story quite a lot. I remember once someone phoned me up in my 20s when I just started my business and they were like, I'm in the cafe, I'm sitting by here. And I went, uh, oh, okay, am I meant to be in the cafe? Oh, shit. I completely <laughs> forgotten about the fact that I was, and I was like that, late to everything, forget stuff. Mm-hmm. Now, my diary, it's like a non-negotiable, like brushing my teeth every morning. My diary is my thing that keeps me on track. And I've learned that over mm. the years. There's lots of other things that I know I need. I, I you know, it would work best for me to learn. But yeah, mm. I mean, it's it is possible to change, and that's what I'm getting from what you've shared about mm. your experience. Is that something you agree with or disagree with? I think I think it's. I mean, it's an interesting one. I think because on the one hand, you have this brain chemistry which means that actually there are things that you um do um which you can say oh it's just my brain my adhd brain oh it's just this oh it's just that it's not just anything you know it's it's a very real experience living with adhd and it is and does have comorbidities as you've alluded to with your ocd i do the same thing with packing by the way, I overpack and it's a whole stressful process. My youngest daughter, who's 16, has to then come in and strip my suitcase of all the shit that I've put in it, which shouldn't <laughs> be in it. And then it's embarrassing because she can pack better than I can and she's much younger. So then I pat myself on the back and go, good parenting. Well done. <laughs> you got to parent the kids that you need to look after you, you know, because actually they're our greatest teachers. So my children save me in lots of ways from myself because they're very good at saying, mum, you don't need to do this or mum, just slow down or mum, what are you doing? Or, you know, they're, they're very good at moderating my comorbidities 
um, and for keeping me up um, mm. and engaged in the real world. So, um, so shout out to them actually, and my husband mm. Um, mm. for being just my people who mm. are my ride or die. I can rely on them a hundred percent. So I'm very grateful for them in terms of helping me to be a better version of myself. And I think that's the thing about change is you have to want to be a better version of yourself. And I don't necessarily see that that's about going through a process of CBT. I see that advertised quite a lot for you to manage your ADHD. I think, I think we can be more compassionate with ourselves and not mask. So having the awareness that you want to overpack, that you need everything for every eventuality, um, that everything has to come with you for you to be comfortable. It gives you a sense of homeostasis and security, right? That's the packing thing. That's what I understand from the packing thing. This is my safety. I've got everything I possibly need. And now I can leave home and travel. You need to feel secure. And I think anything that we do that helps us <clears throat> feel more secure in ourselves is the necessary step. It's the necessary step. So I think if you have ADHD, you're newly diagnosed or you're sort of partway through, you're struggling with things and you can do anything that helps you feel safer in yourself, that helps you trust yourself, bloody do it. Like, do it, because actually there's nothing worse than letting yourself down and knowing that you haven't tried. And so I've got, you know, a, a book that I'm writing, um, and I, I feel like I need to be a better writer, a better person to finish that book. I've got a, properties that I look after. I need to be a better landlady to make sure my tenants have the right certificates. And Carly's going mad at the moment, my assistant, because we don't have all the right paperwork in the right place. She's like, where's your paperwork? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> so, you know, like, there's just these things that we need to put in place to be a better version of ourselves. And we're a work in progress. So you can't just sit down on your backside once you've got a diagnosis and say, well, that's me. I'm done, honey. You take yeah. me or leave me. This is who I am. Like, work with who you are. Don't be complacent about your diagnosis and think, oh, well, this is, I'm a little bit depressed today. That's just who I am. And, you know, like I have to push myself most days to go and do a walk, to go and do exercise, to, to, to eat healthily, to not binge eat at night. Like it's a, it's a daily fucking challenge yeah. sometimes just to, to, to feel that homeostasis, to feel that sense of you, being part of the world and in the world and in your body and in your mind and to feel in, to feel embodied you know mm. to feel like you are you can you can be an effective person and i think allowing adhd to control you is not being effective now whether you need to take or try medicine uh supplements diet lifestyle all of those things that you know are available therapy coaching whatever you need get it done mm. get it done we're in a generation now where it's unacceptable to just accept yourself so 
know, it's, it's a generation of non-acceptance, isn't it? Yeah. You know, we've all we're constantly work wor- working towards acceptance, self acceptance. This is the generation of talk it through, discuss it, uh, be a better version always. Um, you know, we're 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 working towards self acceptance, and I think mm-hmm. um, a diagnosis doesn't mean that y- you can you can sit and pop the pills and not not develop as a person as they say pills don't teach skills so even though you might be taking medication there's still things you can do um that will make your life better in the long run and make you feel better about your participation in your life Mm. uh to be active in how you're how you're running your life you still have that control Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. It's, um, yeah, it's, a, it's, it, I lo- yeah, I really, really love what you shared. And, you know, it's a choice at the end of the day. It's either, um, you know, choose, 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 choose a path, you know, if, if you want to, um, sit on your ass for the rest of your life and do fuck all, then knock yourself out as far as I'm concerned, but don't sit on your ass and want to be a better person, but complain about it, you know, take action and, uh, th- that I'm just about, I suppose, be compassionate to yourself as I'm waving my pen going, take action and do better. Like, take action. <laughs> take action. You will do this. <laughs> but like, I think, <laughs> I think mm-hmm. to, like, to summarize what we've been talking about, it is about self-awareness and compassion and self-acceptance because mm-hmm. we, we all, and you know, we all go out into the world seeking external validation. And I'm on a journey myself of, self-acceptance and validation and particularly if you've got an ADHD brain where you're hyper aware and sensitive to the world then Mm. social media is a fucking awful place sometimes because Mm. everyone's just wanking themselves off in public going oh look how great I am and then you just Mm. spend your whole time going I'm a piece of shit because I'm not doing good enough but you are literally being served the best bits of everyone's life everyone's life yeah so as you said, there's a long list of things that we can and need to do to support ourselves. And you can't do all that overnight. You can't undo 40, 50 years of trauma and struggles in a week, a month. It's going to take, it's taking me years. I don't know about you, and I'm still. Yeah, it's a I've lifetime. Spent, yeah. It is a lifetime, isn't it? You know, mm. um, and um, who knows if we'll get there. But I, I, and enjoy the journey, I guess, really, as much as possible and bring a bit of lightheartedness and silliness into life, which I know everyone I know who's got ADHD certainly uh, brings a lot of silliness into their life. I'm very silly. <laughs> yeah, you've got to be a bit silly, though, haven't you? I think it is a yeah. silly sort of brain, isn't it? It's, like, yeah. it's a risk-taking, creative, innovative, impulsive brain. So, like you're going to have your silly moments. And I think also, you know, it's not, I mean, we were talking earlier about failure, weren't we? I know you wanted to sort of touch on yeah, on that. But I think that part of, I think, I think it's, it's really difficult because if you've got ADHD, you probably have experienced more failure than your average person. And it can cause one of two things, I think, to happen. The first thing that might happen is you get too scared to try. 
And I think sometimes people with ADHD who have been diagnosed, who have had a lot of failure, they're worried about trying anything new. And I definitely was in that realm where I was scared to do anything new because I thought it would fail. We become so tied up in this story of past failures that it can really uh, lead to this sort of paralysis where we're overthinking things, you know, the analysis paralysis. You overthink things so much, but also you lose trust in your own ability because of all your failures that have built up, you know, the catastrophizing. Well, I failed in 1986. I'm going to fail in 1992. And I did this then and that's going to fail. So all of that accumulates. We carry it all in our brains as a memory. And the second thing I think that happens is that you've had people tell you you're going to fail, that you are going to fail. You felt failure, but you refuse to be defined by it. You refuse to believe that this is all there is. And I think that we can swing between the two. You know, you yeah. just need to know where you're at. Um, sometimes you can feel very driven. You want to start something new, but you get paralyzed through fear of failure or at other times you feel very driven you want to start something new and it's just the winds behind you and off you go and being aware of the role that failure plays and what in that particular moment and believing that those moments are temporary means that you can continue to take very small baby steps forwards mm. it might be as something as simple as saying I overpack, we were talking about packing, OCD, you know, how do I get around my packing uh, anxiety? Um, what do I need to do? Do I need to double down on my medicine cabinet? Do I need to keep a, a suitcase half packed already? You know, these yeah. sorts of things, when we're in our more lucid moments, when we're not in panic, when we're in normal homeostasis, we can make decisions and make and create strategies for ourselves mm. that help us the next time when we're going on a trip mm. or when we're doing something difficult where we failed before. We put things in place when we're not panicking. We're not in in fight or flight or freeze. You know, we're not in the heat of that moment. We're just calm, if ever calm. And we can say to ourselves, right, what would I do next time? What am I going to do next time this happens when this, this panic yeah. starts? What can I put in place so that actually I minimize that or mitigate that? And the more we keep doing these little hacks through every area of our lives, and it will all, there will always be like now at the weekend, I was aware I had a lack of intellectual stimulation. My dopamine became low. You know, next time there's a long weekend, I'm going to work throughout mm, because mm. actually i don't want to feel like i felt um mm. so that's my strategy if mm. i if i encounter something i want to put something in place when i'm feeling lucid that's going to help me manage that the next time it happens because it, things repeat themselves don't they and we don't want to go on the hamster wheel just running away from the things or stressing about the same things all the time it takes up a lot of brain space that we can be using for other things to solve bigger problems. Whereas problem solving brain, we can solve big world problems. We don't need to solve the problem of packing over and over and over again. Uh, so we can move our lives on by freeing up space in our heads 
in order to do the work that we want to do and be the person we want to be without worrying overly about the repetitive things uh, that bother mm. us. You know, we can get locked into certain things. Um, so, you know, my, my feeling about not success or not succeeding is that um, focus on the process and not the outcome. You know, yeah. like for me, coming on your podcast, you know, now we're in the process. I'm loving it. You know, but just before I was so nervous, I don't want to do it. What when it comes out, it's shit. Oh, I was so focused on the outcome. I'm going to say something stupid, probably. I'm going to say something that overshare, definitely. But actually, the process is great. I'm loving the process. Focus on the process and forget about the success or the failure or the outcome. And we'd be much better equipped then to manage ourselves in these more challenging moments as opposed to thinking oh i need to have a completely like seamless interview with jeremy and then i'm just like an imposter yeah Mm, Yeah. whatever yeah 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 Yeah. (laughs) no i completely relate and thanks for sharing that you know you use the word the the things like over or under um you know or perfect you know you didn't say perfection but like these words we use stupid someone's going to be i'm stupid it's over it's like these all judgments right of other people and that comes back to me for for me that comes back to self-acceptance of if you survey 100 people about anything you're going to get at least 50 50 different responses of oh that's stupid or that's amazing and we seem to run around the world uh in our lives thinking oh i'm going to be judged and um people are, yes they are people are going to judge us people are going to be listening mm. to this going you're talking bollocks and this is shit mm. and there's going to be people going oh my god i love this i love the way they talk i love the way they do this and and it's yeah. like if you don't like it fuck off and go and listen to another podcast yeah. as far as i'm concerned and yeah. um, this is yes. my, this is our conversation this is our truth yeah. our lived experience um, and it matters to us. And I know that there'll be people listening that will get something from this conversation um, because Good. we're both, you know, living this, living our lives. And um, yeah, yeah, that, that's, that's, yeah. that's it. And but sharing and, sh- and sharing more, more and more openly um, different standpoints on what ADHD is like for different mm. types of people and the challenges that we have which are, yeah. again, unique to our personal and professional lives. Um, mm. But I think one of the things as well is that, you know, I don't want to stop growing ever as a person. I'm very into, you know, spiritual personal development. So for me, it's quite important to confront the scary things and overcome um, barriers because I've, I've felt like I'm an imposter for most of my life and that's um that's maybe a female thing so that's another identity and position mm. I need to unpack um yeah yeah no I I get the imposter syndrome I I had it this morning before I came on this podcast like who are you to think that you're I want to I want to become a stat not don't want to become I want to do a stand-up comedy course and I went to a comedy night last night and I'm sitting there thinking who the f- fuck do you think to go and do this like who are you <laughs> and then i'm thinking the same about my podcast about being a business coach and mentor all this sort of stuff so i completely relate to what you know what you're you're sharing around all of that and it's uh yeah you know it's it, it's um as you say it's our lived experience and um yeah it's uh it's what 
what we've experienced, and I think what key, I keep on coming back to in my head from this conversation is about self-compassion and giving ourselves a break, but also trying stuff out because my unique recipe for what works for me is going to be different for you, for example, um, and from someone else. But it's going and being courageous and brave and bold and being willing to fail, to give it a go, you know, to mm. try these things out. I mean, the classics for me that have always that seem to be working are no alcohol, no overly processed food, getting lots of sleep, getting lots of exercise or as much as possible. You know, do um, meditation, mindfulness, self-compassion, all these things that are core and support me and my brain. I think what I've got from what you shared is just try it out and and give yourself a break and 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 that, and that's for people that you, we want to grow. We're both very similar people in that sense that we want to grow. We want to become a better version of, this, of ourselves. But for me, one of the most key things about being a better version of myself, air quotes, is not beating myself up for where I am right now. Because if I constantly mm -hmm. am trying to better myself and looking at who I am today as like it's wrong and it needs fixing, that is not healthy in my opinion. Mm -hmm. That's just going to lead to us just striving to be better because we're not good enough. I'm good enough mm -hmm. and you're good enough right now today. Mm -hmm. And what was it? Someone called it self-optimization. I love that. Um, you know, optimizing mm -hmm. our lives and ourselves to, to improve, to be uh, better versions of ourselves for ourselves, but also for the world because there's enough dicks mm -hmm. out there. <laughs> we don't need mm -hmm. more. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think also like part of my desire to be a better version is to be a better version of myself because I know that that version is calmer, less, um, less anxious, less depressed, uh, more appreciative, more grateful. And also my relationships are better. I have less conflict. I have better conversation. I have more intimacy. I have more closeness. And so, you know, being a better version means I take more chances. I go on a business retreat. I take a, I take a chance. I try something new. And, it, it, you know, life is about us experiencing the fullness of who we are. And if we are thinking that we need fixing then we're focused on our brokenness and we're not broken and we don't need fixing but we want to live fully um and so that's the better version but i agree with you about that it's you know i acknowledge that you know like life isn't a perfect uh expression daily like even you know within a minute your feelings can change so you know being a better version is that compassion and understanding that things change we change internally externally people around us change um but i suppose my joy in my diagnosis is finding that i'm more and more in myself and happier with that self than I ever have been. And I don't know if that's also an age thing um, and also a, a place in life where I feel like I'm still doing new things and wanting to try new things and wanting to still grow. But I think it's 
yeah, it's really important that anyone listening to this who's who's sort of feeling like, you know, self-improvement is about fixing yourself. You don't need fixing. You're not broken. You're not a you're not a broken person. And one of the things that I'm a massive advocate of is, is, you know, we've all got strengths and weaknesses, right? So there are things that we're great at and things that we're crap at. And I don't focus on the crap areas beyond outlining what they are. Like be aware of the areas that are your weaknesses and don't try and improve those. That's a complete waste of time. Look at your strengths, look at where you feel most alive, where you feel most yourself and focus on those, focus on those things, because those are the things that are going to make you want to grow. Focusing on things that you can't do or don't want to do or that make you or that drain you, those things are not worthy of your time. Um, so I'm very much um, an advocate of like looking at strengths and allowing people around me to sort of be in their zone of genius, whatever that might be, and work from that place and um, not getting hung up on the weaknesses. Because I think we've been told too often, oh, you're not good at reading. You're not good at writing. Oh, you can't sit still. Oh, you're so messy. Oh, you're disorganized. Oh, why don't you tidy up? You know, like we've got that narrative already in our heads. And if we keep feeding it, it's like a monster or consumers. So let's start thinking about what we're good at and what we love and what loves us back. You know, what feeds our souls? What loves us back? Like, what do we do that gives us like just that? <laughs> Lovely. I love it. I love that feeling, you know, um, and do more of that. Yeah. For sure beautifully yeah. put beautifully put i think um that's a nice bookend to our conversation because i'm yeah. looking at the time going oh we've been chatting this is going to be the longest podcast episode to date um i'd love you to share because you've set up um a community haven't you around adhd people so do you want to talk um i was gonna say briefly about that but uh don't don't worry about it you talk as much as you'd like about what that is and how people i'll be putting links to that on the, the resource page but how people can get in touch with you and whatever else you want to say about it yeah it's sort of organic really so you know i run you know a couple of businesses i write um got a training business i do a lot of school speaking and got property business that i run Love property, love writing, love speaking. Um, those are my areas of interest and hyper-focus. Done. That and yoga. Um, and I meet a lot of uh, people who run businesses, a lot of entrepreneurs. That's the world that I am in. And bloody hell, there's a lot of people with ADHD in the business world. I mean you know there's a high percentage of adhd entrepreneurs i think it's something like 60 percent um of business owners have adhd because of the the brain wiring and what i've realized is that i love the company of other entrepreneurs and business owners because it sparks my brain in new ways 
and I love being around people with ADHD. Most of my friends have got ADHD diagnosed or undiagnosed. And I I love the conversations that sort of take this circuitous route and then come back eventually to the topic. I love the the space that people with ADHD can create to connect and uh, the passion that's there and the genuine uh, love that can be shared in ADHD circles and spaces. I'm also very aware of the downsides of ADHD, the anxiety, the depression, the obsessive thoughts, the fears, and, um, and how that can really get in the way of running your business. Um, so it, I just, you know, I think what I want to do and what I'm doing with my community, which is an online community, is to celebrate ADHDers who have been brave enough to create their own business, whether that's because uh, it's passion driven and interest driven, or whether that's because they just have sacked their boss because they're unemployable because they're just done with being told what to do because they can always do it better. Um, I'm interested in people who want to grow a business that uh, gives them a work-life balance so that they have time for themselves, their families, their other hobbies, because there are other hobbies and interests, and let's not deny that, um, to help people juggle their multiple interests and streamline what they're doing in a way that gives them the purpose and the value that they want, but also the money. Um, we're not charities, you know, we like a good lifestyle. Um, and I know that if you're running a business and it's not making money, it's soul destroying because you feel like your whole value and purpose is tied up in that. So I'm setting up a community, it's called ADHDlife.team and it's for ADHDers in business. You can have any business. I don't really care. Um, you can be, you know, running an e-commerce store. Um, you can have a side hustle. Um, you know, whatever business you've got that you feel like you want to connect with other people with, um, to share ideas, to support one another. Maybe you've got a side hustle and you want to turn it into your main hustle. Um, you don't need to have a diagnosis. Um, the only thing I ask is that you are disorganized, late, <laughs> find it difficult to prioritize, have a bit of emotional dysregulation, uh, but you want to come together and you want to grow and you want to grow with other people with support. Um, so I'm offering this as a community. So there's a Facebook group that's going to be live soon. There'll be a WhatsApp group for sort of Q&As and support. There'll be a monthly masterclass with me where I sort of deliver some content and a presentation around ADHD and business and then a Q&A session afterwards. So it's a real opportunity to kind of work with me, I suppose, and work with a group and get that sort of support that's needed. Uh, it's a lonely life running a business sometimes. So I think the more we can connect and the more you can find people who are like-minded, maybe a little bit ahead of you on your journey or just starting out, the better we all are. We're better together, aren't we? Yeah. Sure. And it's not just about business. It's about your personal life, you know, 
what's that looking like how's your business impacting it you know what balance are you trying to achieve um because it's not just about money in the bank ultimately that helps but it's also about richness and wealth in other ways um so managing your business and doing that by managing effectively your adhd um so yeah i'd love if any of your listeners want to join um i know you're going to put some some notes in but yeah adhdlife.team fabulous yeah i'll be putting a link on the resource page so people can go and check that out and we'll also put any links to any social media platforms um or uh, ways to get in touch with you as well um yeah absolutely so uh, it just leaves me to say thank you very much for giving me your time i've had a thoroughly enjoyable cathartic and uh and um can't think of the word and i've learned i've learned a lot about myself and um and about you and it's been wonderful to connect so thank you so much Fiona, I really appreciate your time. Oh, thank you, Jeremy. I've really enjoyed being on and I think you're a fantastic host. Um, You just leave space for your guests and and me just to talk or to to share. And ADHD is very much a talk it out and then you know what you think. Um, So I appreciate your time. And I know it's it's been a long interview, but... um, yeah, we had a lot to share, I feel. And um, let's hope that there are people listening who are going to get a lot out of this and who are yeah. feeling uplifted and supported and uh, that they've, they've come to this chat feeling like they're not alone and that there is hope and a way forward. Excellent. Thank you so much, Fiona. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening in today. I hope you've enjoyed this conversation. This has been How Not to Run a Business with your host, me, Jeremy Jacobs. If you like this conversation and you want to hear more, then make sure you follow or subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. And whilst you're there, if you want to leave me a review, I would really appreciate it. If you'd like to connect with me online, you can do so on Instagram, LinkedIn, and Facebook. And my profile name is Jeremy Jacobs UK. Or you can check out my website, which is jeremyjacobs.co.uk. So once again, thank you so much for listening. And until next time, keep on trying, keep on failing, keep on succeeding.